Welcome to the Show Me Literacies podcast with Dr. Shay Kirkhoff and Dr. Cassandra Walker-Suggs. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Show Me Literacies podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassandra Suggs, and joining me today to talk about family and community literacy, literacy leadership, source-based writing, and just about everything reading is Tess Larson. Tess Larson is a 15-year classroom teacher, having taught in both the high school and middle school setting. Currently, she's an eighth grade language arts teacher at Rockwood South Middle School. Previously, she taught at Sheboygan South High in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Tess was born and raised and educated in Wisconsin. Her BA and both master's degrees are from the University of Wisconsin System Schools. And she jokes that she is a recovering high school English journalism teacher, currently learning and growing in the middle school world. I love that, Tess. I love your info, it's so creative. So Tess, we're going to get right into our interview. Um, I'm just so happy to have you because you're a phenomenal teacher. I know this because I worked with you, but I want the world to know it as well. We're going to talk some about reading and a little bit about source writing, as I mentioned in the beginning. So let's ask with the first question. Let's start with the first question. And Tess, how is it that you can get middle schoolers and high schoolers to engage in the practice of reading, especially with so many other opportunities like Netflix and Hulu and just their phones in general? How do you switch them to get them to want to read? Uh, I think the first, the biggest thing to do to get kids interested in reading is the idea that uh, we have to tap into who they are and to build those relationships with the kids. So once we know who the student is, uh, we're able to, as educators, as uh, community members, as family members, to be able to offer um, book recommendations uh, based on things that they like. The other thing that I like to do and point out to my students right away early in the school year is that pretty much everything that they do is reading. Uh, and I really like to expand or I shouldn't even say expand. I like to give them the definition of text that I use, which is anything that has a beginning, a middle and an end. So there are times where I will work with students and talk about how a painting can be a text or a Netflix show or, um, you know, different uh, TV shows, uh, which could be Netflix, obviously, or sports competitions or advertisements, so on and so forth. All of those are texts. And so once students realize that reading can be so much more than a book in front of them, that reading is the idea of taking in that information and being able to interpret it, analyze it, and use it. Uh, I think that really helps them to be engaged with uh, the material in front of them. I really like that analogy. You're right, because they, they don't think of it as text. They just think of it as images coming at us. And, and it all started with text, all those TV shows, all those sports shows, even the plays that that the players play on the field started with text. I love that analogy. Tess, can I ask you, were you an avid reader when you were growing up? I definitely went in spurts. Um, so definitely as a small child, uh, I was. And then, you know, for like many kids, I would drop off a little bit in middle school. Um, but then I would pick it back up if I found a book or an author I was really interested in. Um, I remember at one point, I went through a lot of the Mary Higgins Clark mystery books um, that I think my mom read. And then I got into them because I thought that they were interesting and page turning so yes good old mary higgins Clark. she never <laughs> let you down that's no. sure. <laughs> well you mentioned something there when you said your mom read them that mm -hmm. kind of leads me to my next question which is how do you what do you recommend for families to help them to get their kids engaged in reading um, I think that one thing to really um, help families get their kids engaged in reading is one, for the family themselves to 
be readers and to have books around the house. Um, and obviously that may um, not work for all families, but then share the uh, experience of going to the library. Um, if you're not a family that wants to own books, then go to the library or talk to the students about reading and learning and growing, uh, even if it is, you know, to research or look things up on the internet. The other big thing, um, and this is something that um, I started sort of by accident when I was teaching high school, but I had a student who uh, was a bit of a struggling reader and uh, his mom was my coworker. And so she knew the book that we were reading in uh, sophomore English at the time. And she said, hey, do you have another copy of that? Because I think if I, I you know, I'm hearing my child talk about it, but I have also uh, remember my older, you know, my daughter read it. And also I'm hearing the kids in class talk about it. So do you mind if I have a copy? Uh, and I did. And then I would do that with her for all of the books, which allowed her to read the book on her own and then bring things up sort of naturally with the child, maybe in the car or um, before a practice or at dinner. And just to say like, hey, uh, I, I think you're reading this book in class right now. And can you tell me a little bit about this part? I'm confused. Or what did you think about the, you know, chapter 12? Um, and that I think really engages and builds a relationship or continues the relationship between um, a parent or a caregiver and a teenage uh, or preteen reader. You know what, that's a great point. And let me ask you about that. I think the method of having the parent read it and have that connection is, is one that is underutilized. I really do. How would you get a parent who may be a reluctant reader, maybe they didn't read that well when they were growing up, to kind of buy into that so they can help their children? Um, I think, and sometimes you can use the child. Um, in the particular case I mentioned before, the kid would have been absolutely embarrassed had I said something like, hey, give this book to your mom. But instead I was able to just put it in her mailbox at work and then suddenly it randomly showed up at their house. Um, but I think sometimes if the student themselves says like, hey, I'm reading dystopian books right now in class. Did you ever read any of those or talk to me about that? Um, some of the books that kids are reading today are books that their parents read when they were in middle school or high school. Um, and then others are new to, um, to students or to the genre of young adult literature uh, and therefore, you know, I think sometimes having students themselves be excited or engaged in something, it can translate over for the parent. Also, if you have a teacher that's excited and engaged about it, that they are really promoting the book or, um, you know, I had a kid last year say like, this book was written for me. And so to be able to say something like that myself as an adult to say like uh, something to the effect of, I wish a book like this would have been written when I was your age. Uh, do you think any of your parents would like something like this? And then it allows them to possibly, you know, bring in that conversation or to um, create a space for that dialogue. Yes, yes. Very well said. Very well said. Thank you for that tip. I want to ask you another question in terms of reading. We're really getting to the meat and bones of it, which is phenomenal. We know that if we can't read, we really can't do anything else. But tell me what for you and other teachers is a correlation, the, the importance between reading and writing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, with the pandemic and everything recently, and uh, we've gone through a bit of a, a curriculum adaptation in uh, my school district. And during part of that, I really ended up by accident siloing reading and writing. And it wasn't until probably, I guess, like 
second semester this year when I realized that I was so bored in the classroom and myself just sort of like uh, in and out and just like post and do this and use these. And I finally just sort of threw that all away. And because the realization that I had was that I had separated reading and writing. And the only way to really engage, I think, and to grow both your reading ability and your writing ability is to be able to use those two things together. Students make fun of me all the time because I am a terrible speller. Uh, and I can look at a word and know that it's wrong. Uh, but they'll sit there and they're like, you're a language arts teacher. How can you not know how to spell? And, uh, and I have to tell them like, well, I haven't memorized the dictionary, but just as I can look at a word and tell that it's spelled wrong because I have seen it so many times in print or in the version of text, the same thing goes for a lot of the grammar aspects where I can look at something and say like, mm, that's not where you want a comma or that's not where you want the break uh, in the sentence or where you want a sentence to end. And so I think if you are able to put those two skills together because they're so interchangeable, it really can create um, a much deeper level of understanding and growth for students. Uh, and that is something that they can then take into all subjects uh, and not just uh, a skill that they're going to use in language arts, but it's a skill that they can then read uh, their social studies text or their science text and be able to then analyze and interpret and, you know, put things together so that they can critically uh, complete all subject matters. Yes, very much so. And it builds confidence. In them exactly. as well, and not only in, in language arts, but in other uh, course areas as well. So thank you for that. Can I ask you, Tess, what is source-based writing? Source-based writing is being able to take a source itself and uh, be able to like go through that and then to put that in. I always like to like compare it to research writing in that sense of being able to take this information from a source and then put it into um my own words. So that could be using parenthetical citations or direct quotes or paraphrasing, um, but it's sort of that analysis, being able to like take in information and either directly say like, this is where it came from, or let me add my own thoughts to it. Okay. And that's a part, that's an area that you work on with your students with the writing component, correct? Correct. I love that. I'm sure we did that when I was growing up, but we probably just didn't call it source-based writing. I have another question for you in, in regards to uh, just literature overall. I want to know as a teacher, and you've been teaching for 15 years, so you saw something in 15 years ago, and now here we are in 2022. What trends are you seeing in young adult literature, and are there any things you wish would come back? Yeah, I think that um, with young adult literature, it is a genre that has exploded. Um, and the options and the texts and genres within young adult literature that are available to students now, um, to preteens, to teenagers, to even, you know, college and adults, um, the possibilities are endless. You know, if you want to uh, take your love of Harry Potter and uh, the fantasy world and read all of that and then go, oh, I want to dive into other aspects of fantasy, you can. If you want to um, dive into Hunger Games and dystopian and think, oh, this is great. And then you want to dive into uh, or continue uh, in that area and read all sorts of other dystopian, that option's available for you. Your uh, students also have the ability to 
read books that are far more contemporary in nature based on things that are happening in the world around them, what they're able to see um, that sometimes is, is pushing uh, or pulling against what's happening in society. Uh, one of the other guests that you had on Show Me Literacy's podcast, uh, Dr. Robert Perone, I want to yes. say, uh -huh. um, he, I read one of his articles and it talked about the idea that, um, let's see, like little women and, uh, Huckleberry Finn, I want to say both of them were very like progressive in nature, um, for their, at, at that time, you know, mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. idea of like Joe and little women wanting, like pushing the boundaries on what it means to be, a woman. And we look at that book now and we would never think that what little women was right. <laughs> something that was like groundbreaking and what, you know, like uh, that sort of idea. And so, so to understand that a genre now is created in a way that can help students figure out the world that they live in, mm -hmm. um, I think is, is a really beautiful thing that, uh, I think we're fortunate to be a part of as educators, uh, as students are able to explore and grow that way. I would agree 100%. I know when I was growing up, I pretty much had, growing up, I pretty much had Dr. Seuss and Judy Bloom. Mm -hmm. Once I was done with Dr. Seuss, I read all the Judy Bloom. And then it's like now, what? and I think that's why I became an author, because I wanted to give something else mm -hmm. for children to read. And I know our time is coming to a close, but I just wanted to allow you to touch, because I know it's important to you, a little bit on the, the importance of culturally relevancy in your selections and in your teaching. I think in that sense, um, you know, students want to be able to read a book in which they feel as though um, the experience of a character is like their own. Um, so whether that's, you know, the, the very common phrase currently is, you know, the idea of like a window or a mirror. And I think it's really important for students to be exposed to literature in which it's a window and they're able to see into someone else's perspective, just as um, that the cultural relevance aspect of students should be able to find a book um, where they see themselves in it, whether it's because, um, you know, the girl is just like them or is just like their best friend or um, a boy is uh, behaving the same way on the uh, basketball court, you know, that they are, or there's a situation where friends are, um, you know, quabbling over being in love with the same person and so on and so forth. Those are real events that are happening in our kids' lives. And for them to be able to see that reflected in, um, in libraries within classrooms and communities and the school library and so on and so forth. That's a beautiful thing. Like I said earlier, I had a student last year who uh, there's a group of students and they're reading a book and they said like, Ms. Larson, this book was like written for us. <laughs> and it was the most pure and like beautiful statement. I think that I've heard a kid say about a book in a long time. Um, and I, I want to be able to provide that for so many other kids um, in the sense that, you know, the, the world uh, opens before you and you can get lost in that good book. I love that. Well said, well said. And you are so right about that. We know this in advertising, 
when they're advertising to women during the daytime, pretty much you see diaper commercials and such sporty events, you see cars and all that. We know this, we know it has to connect. So it makes sense then to make sure it's connecting in our literature for our children as well. Thank you so much. I knew this was going to be a great podcast. You never, never cease to amaze me, Miss Larson. I know you're going to be a teacher probably just for a short while, because soon you're going to be an administrator because you have so many <laughs> talented leadership skills. And I'm just so blessed and thankful to get to know you. Thanks again for your time today. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Show Me Literacies. We hope you'll tune in again next time. Until then, I'm Dr. Cassandra Suggs. Thanks for tuning in. Please join us next time on Show Me Literacies 